All right, here we go for Soul 101. January 30th, beautiful, beautiful morning, uh, like plus five, plus six, coming into the Sports 1440 studios at the Palacious West Edmonton Mall. And uh, looking for a high of a little bit better than that today, maybe plus eight or so. You can just say probably whatever, approximately ballpark if you're a weather forecaster. does it matter. I mean, it's just like, you know, Costanza off Seinfeld. You know, you just say it. It doesn't matter. If you're wrong, you're wrong. If you're right, you're right. If you're close in the ballpark, it's the way it is. Should have been a weather forecaster. That's what a guy should have done. Anyway, beautiful, beautiful for the next few days. It is gorgeous out there and uh, a lot of snow melting, a lot of snow melting. And you know what? It feels (laughs) the Oilers have another week left before a game. (laughs) That's when they're back in action against Vegas. And, of course, everybody waiting for that contest because everyone knows the magnitude and how big of a game it is. Going for win number 17 in a row. Oilers in Vegas, basically identical records except for the overtime Scenario where Vegas has six OT or shootout losses. The Oilers have just one. So the Oilers have five games in hand. Sit five points back of Vegas for second in the Pacific. You know, we've had all-star games uh, and breaks like this before. We've had them over the years. And the Oilers have been off for a number of days. But for some reason, this one feels a lot different. It just feels different because of the run the team was on going into the break and how excited everybody was and remains and looking forward to a game in a week because of the scenario with the possibility of tying an NHL record for 17 games in a row. But it is All-Star Week. Are you excited about it? Are you not? Shoot us off a text. one 401 I threw this out to the fellas in the studio before the show started, to the Duke, Delburn, and uh, Donovan, the intern. And I asked them if they could name me the very first two, the first two Edmonton Oiler players that went to the All-Star game back in 1980. And they don't have a clue on the second one. Everyone knows the first one. Did the Duke? Did you go on the interweb, Duke? I did not. I, I did have a guess. Yeah, I was didn't want to jut in when uh, Donovan was ringing through Donovan, his guesses, though. <laughs> Donovan went through the whole roster in 1980. I, I only have one guess, just uh, because. You want to throw it out to the listeners first, see if they can send us a text if you think you know who the two. Oiler All-Stars were the first two. Don't go looking on the interweb and trying to figure it out quick. Just maybe quickly off the top of your head. one 401 Quite sure that I think everyone has one of them. It's the second one that maybe is a little bit mm. Mm, under the radar a little bit for, I think for most Oiler fans because they get uh, romanticized by all the other players the, that came the, uh, my, my, the first thing that came to my head, but he, I think it's still too early that he wasn't there yet. Almost, because you said 80, correct? That would that obviously the, f- the first, first season. First season, 79, right? 80, right? Yeah, for the, so for the Oilers. Uh, I see a couple of texts coming in. Uh, the fact that they're the same leads me to think <laughs> that they're probably the correct answer, and that is not what my guess was. Well, it wasn't, though. Uh, okay, well, what was your guess? My, my, once again, off the top, before thinking about the years and stuff, my guess was going to be Andy Moog, okay. but of course, uh, predating him, so... Yeah, we've got uh, everyone basically humming in with the correct answer. But, um, yeah, everyone is bang on. But I, <laughs> Donnie P goes, why does everybody know that? Because there are 
more passionate Oiler fans in this city uh, than any city going on. You can maybe, obviously Toronto and Montreal are very passionate fans, but it, I mean, everyone knows like the the history of this team is, is very um, close to Oiler fans' hearts. Let's call it that because of just because of how much success that they had uh, early on, and it didn't happen for it didn't happen for any other team this, this kind of success this quickly. So you know, back in in 1980, it was a, you know joining the league and the All Star game was different. And I was telling the guys here, and again, they're a little younger for all our listeners, the Duke and and uh, Donnie P, but. Uh, they said, well, when did the All-Star Game start? Well, it started actually, the All-Star Game started way back in about 1947. That was the very first one. But there were All-Star Games before that that were benefit games. Uh, they had a benefit game. The, the biggest benefit game was in the 30s, and they had it for Ace Bailey. And there was an uh, a, Eddie Shore, who was one of the dirtiest players ever and one of the best players ever for the Boston Bruins. He... Uh, got into it with Ace Bailey and he I probably slew footed him who knows no one no one really there's no obviously cameras or shots of it so he probably slew footed him he cracked his head open and they thought he was they, they didn't even think he was going to make it off the ice that's how bad how serious it was and they had a benefit for Bailey he never played again Shore Shore was suspended a third of the year uh for for the hit or whatever you want to call it, it was I, I would imagine it was more of a slew foot but uh, so we can go, we might as well get it out of the way here. Tom, John, Laser, uh, Wade, Bruce. We got about another couple other ones. Uh, you are correct. It is uh, BJ Blair McDonald. That was the other uh, member of the Oilers back in 1980 that made it to the All-Star game, which was, you know, again, just starting out a franchise, kind of getting into the swing of things. Gretzky obviously was having a, an amazing season at the time. But when you look at, how it progressed, it kind of went down. Gretzky was the only player that went in 1981. Um, so it was it, it was different uh, back then in the early going. And then everyone knows how much things took off once the Oilers started to gain traction and they had all the star players and in, in the early 80s, Gretzky, Messier, Paul Coffey went. And then after that, things started to really uh, get, get going in the mid-80s. Uh, four players in 83, six in 1984, eight in 85, and then the franchise record, nine players in 1986, including Grant Fuhr, who was a member of five All-Star teams, for the Oilers. Uh, we will obviously discuss that with Grant. Coming up at uh, 9 o'clock as Grant co-hosts the show every Tuesday from 9 to 11. So we'll talk about the fact there were nine Edmonton Oilers on that 90, 1986 team. Gretzky, Messier, Paul Coffey, Glenn Anderson, Yari Curry, Kevin Lowe, and Lee Fogelin, as well as Grant Fuhr and Andy Moog. And if you want to make it the perfect 10 Glenn Sather was the coach. So you had almost half of the team was from Edmonton. How do you think that went around the rest of the league, Duke? And how do you think people were were responding to that? How could you argue with it at that time? <laughs> I mean, it, the, the numbers spoke for themselves, obviously, and the team success to immediately follow. But, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think we'll be seeing that again uh, anytime soon. Where are you going to cut that off? Let's say that you have that team in today's format where you bring in one guy. Okay, so obviously I would imagine you're bringing in Gretzky. I then, don't think so. Then all those other guys are going, 
okay, they can't take, they could maybe take two or two of us, three, you know, so (laughs) they'd be going, let's be booking our trip or whatever. It was a lot shorter back then. But just the fact that that there was nine players splitting, and you're splitting the goaltending duties. How about, you know, so you're splitting Andy Andy and and Grant Fear playing half the game. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I, there, I don't know if there was a third goalie, maybe there was back then. I don't know. I, the, the, the rules have changed. So, did you guys know as well? From I believe for the first twenty years ballpark, I, I don't have it in front of me. That the All Star Game was played at the beginning of the year with the defending Stanley Cup champions. I did know that yeah. that that was the the prior yeah uh, playing an All Star tradition. Yeah, yeah, playing yeah. an All Star team. So. So it's kind of like almost the inverse. I mean, There's, the Pro Bowl, of course, it, being played at the end of the year for the NFL. Yeah. But every other game now, mid-season. But back then, again, this is before everybody was buddy, buddy, buddy. Yeah. You know, there were there was hatred in the All-Star game at the start of the year. You did not like anybody. Uh, Dean just texted in just now. I missed the All-Star game when the Stanley Cup champ played the All-Star lineup. Yes, a while back. Started in 47. And again, they had it at the beginning of the year where the team from the previous season, the defending Stanley Cup champions, would uh, play an all-star team. Stair Farmer chimes in. Good morning, boys. Thank you for the great shows every day. Well, we appreciate your comment and looking forward to Bob's next one, too. Uh, yeah, we had tons. Everyone was kind of banging on with B- BJ and Blair, uh, BJ McDonald. Uh, we had a couple Brett Callahans, uh, but just a, a different time, I guess you could say, back then. It'll be interesting to hear Grant's comments on what it was like playing in the All-Star game because it's totally different now. And we're going to talk about, because uh, a lot of people I think are more interested in the skills competition on Friday because of the million dollars. Now, the thing about the skills competition, and we'll get into the rules of it, it's a little, I guess if you're still in the game going into the final event, which is the kind of the obstacle course they're calling it, the, the points are weighted so much that you could probably come back if you're, say, fifth or sixth, if you were, were to win the obstacle course, you could win the million bucks. What would your event be, Duke, in the... Uh... And you can't say... Is there a, is there a competition <laughs> to evaluate my uh, my efficiency as a locker room guy? I was going to just say... A the team guy? Snagging a, a, in a solo cup, grabbing a, a cold beverage to take out... Because a lot of people, do you know what? Ideally, that would well. Do you you think about it? One of the funnier uh, moments that people talk about was when they had the the draft, and everyone had the solo cups. All the players, (laughs) you could tell they were, you know, they were having a good time. Well, yeah, and they should have a a celebration. They should have a good time. So, well, absolutely, they should. But no, uh, outside of that, what would my event be? Definitely not uh, hardest shot. Probably not uh, any sort of stick handling thing. Maybe maybe like the fastest skater. I, I'm a pretty good skater. Uh, I definitely have lost a step since the. <laughs> we'll sec- see what Schlemmer says tomorrow the second, about that. Uh, the second ACL tear has slowed me down uh, a little bit more, but yeah, that's always been probably the best strength. Okay, yeah, I I, I, I and they haven't had the event for a couple of years, but I enjoyed the passing one. Remember, Leon made a couple of those long bomb passes, oh, yeah. and uh, there was some serious sauce over that one. They had sort of like some things. They were on doing the ice. that in the uh, Sportsnet studios last night. Uh, I didn't see that. They were at, oh. I can't remember who, oh, because Justin Williams was in uh, oh. filling in on the panel, okay. and so they were chucking some uh, some sauce across the studio into one of those little nets. And J Dubs, Mister Game Seven, didn't yeah. miss a one. Yeah. Good stuff. 
Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about the All-Star break, the skills, uh, what's going on. Uh, I want to ask you one quick question. And uh, just saw the announcement this morning. Joe Hortiz um, goes from GM of the Ravens to the Chargers. Why is it that in the NFL we see more coaches get hired and then another GM comes in? But in other sports, especially hockey, if it's the call at the death march, if a if a GM comes in there, you know, after the coach, everyone goes, well, that's not his guy. Yeah. But in the NFL, it doesn't seem to be a problem. It's funny you bring that up because that's piqued my interest on this as well, that it's very rare, obviously, in other sports and specifically hockey, that a head coach gets hired before a new general manager. And so I don't know if it's like because they do operate almost in autonomy, like the, the GM builds the roster, the coach mm-hmm. the coach hires his coordinators, uh, et cetera. So it's like they're they're – in the NHL, like those are a linear, uh, a downward, yes. like down the kind of totem pole. It works. But in the NFL, it is in theory. But they om- like the the head coach probably has more direct contact with, say, the owner, um, depending on team to team and how involved they are, than say like the GM. Like the GM gives them the players, the coach sets the game plan. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's not. Re- they don't really have a lot of interaction, I guess. And it it probably ranges, but it is a, it is a unique dynamic for sure. Because, uh, like you said, <laughs> new head, new uh, GM comes in. You're already counting your days as a head coach, thinking, well, uh, my time's probably pretty short lived mm-hmm. uh, after this. True points, and I, I just kind of you know caught my eye again because we had one last week as well, I believe. I can't remember where it was now, but just the fact that. Compared to the NHL, when a GM comes in and the coach is already there, everyone goes, well, that that coach ain't around for long. Uh, we got a jam-packed show again. Looking forward to it. Uh, Dan Kingerski from Pittsburgh Hockey Now. We'll uh, check in right after the break. Mark Spector, Frank Cervelli at 8 o'clock and 8.20 for uh, On the Mark for Booster Juice Center. Headliner of the day for Mr. Rooter. And then Grant Fear co-hosting, as we mentioned, from 9 to 11. Coming in studio, this is going to be some fun. Uh, Cam Connor former NHLer. I don't believe that Cam and Grant played together here in Edmonton. It was just slightly before Grant's time when Cam was here, but Cam played many years in the WHA and was probably one of the most underrated tough guys in the NHL. He was as tough as it comes. And not only that, Cam would be one of the few guys that around town anyway that played with Gordie Howe and the boys in Houston for the Arrows in the mid-70s. So that will be an interesting conversation. We'll have our St. Albert Dodge Game of the Day, plus Jake Fisher from Yahoo Sports, senior NBA reporter, coming up at 1020. When we come back, Dan Kingerski, Pittsburgh Hockey Now on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Puck Report, brought to you by Fountain Tire. And Fountain Tire is helping you stay on the road safely with flexible payment plans to suit your needs. Talk to your local store about financing options. You can learn more at FountainTire.com as we welcome in Dan Kingerski to the big program from Pittsburgh Hockey Now. Morning, Dan. You're with Kevin Carries on Sports 1440. Welcome to the big program. Good morning, Kevin. Yeah, you know, we were just talking about the All-Star game coming up, Dan. Are you, do you... Are you one of those guys that you just oh, can't stand it, don't like it, or do you just take it for what it is? And maybe even more so with the, you know, the skills competition for the million bucks on Friday, maybe, you know, brings a little more light to it. Where do you stand? Well, sure. I think I'd like to see how the boys perform for a million bucks, but yeah, I get enough hockey for the rest of the season, right? <laughs> uh, I'm kind of over the all-star game. You want a break too. 
I would love a break, yes. <laughs> well, speaking of breaks, the Pittsburgh Penguins, were maybe you can shed some light on that as well, about the direction that the Pens will be taking here. Uh, coming up, you know, six points back of Detroit with three games in hand, five points back of Philly in the division. So where where do the Pens stand right now, and what direction do you think they're going in here? Well, I really do think they're going to at least keep it together through the remainder of this season. Uh, if I have to guess, I know Jay Gensel has been in the trade rumors for quite a while, uh, you know, around Vancouver. But I do think uh, Jake will be the Penguins' own rental. Hmm. And, you know, whatever happens, uh, heading to free agency happens. I don't necessarily think he signs, but I do think he sticks around this season because you just don't know what's going to happen next year with health-wise and everything that uh, can transpire with all the salary cap space. Uh, you know, they don't have many more shots with this core three of Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. So, uh, you know, uh, I think, you know, when they get Carlson, they, they've, they've gone all in. And, and I just don't think they're going to easily give that up like uh, I, I know the rumors want them to. How many teams and how much interest do you think Gensel is drawing? Oh, I'm sure uh, Kyle Dubas has received a few phone calls, kind of the, you know, keep me posted variety. Uh, you know, the, the, the Penguins, because of those games in hand, actually if they, uh, what do they have, three in hand on Philly or four? I haven't looked this, uh, in a couple of days, sorry. Mm-hmm. If, if they win, let's say, three of the four, they're actually in third place in the Metro Division. So uh, I, I would suspect there hasn't been heavy trade talks you know if there's been anything it, it's just been sort of that uh, you know garden variety stuff yeah four games in hand on philadelphia and the flyers have really struggled lately with five losses in a row uh, pittsburgh came up with a big win on the weekend where you know everyone was kind of going man you lose this one but uh, just how would you assess the way the penguins have been playing in the last little bit here yeah that's really interesting because uh, they went out you know, in, into the desert there in Vegas and Arizona, and were terrible. Uh, you know, they they had uh, one. Uh, was it uh, eight of eleven? Really starting to feel good. You know, things were trending upward, and they blow a two-goal third-period lead in Vegas and look terrible doing so, and then have a no-show loss in Arizona. They come home, and it's kind of a no-show win over Montreal, which they didn't snap to life and, until into the third period. It's, it, it's quite interesting. And, and Kevin, I, I have no idea on a night-to-night uh, basis what team I'm going to see or, or, or cover. So, uh, you know, I guess the arrow is still spinning with them. Every opportunity, every uh, chance is with them. But, uh, you know, they have to seize it. And, and, and energy and consistency have been their biggest problems. Dan Kingerski, Pittsburgh Hockey Now, our guest on Sports 1440. So, Dan, does that surprise you that you're unsure of what you're going to see and get from a team that is so veteran-heavy and has been to the dance so many times before? It, it does. Uh, you know, last year was really a sideways year, and I thought – they would have corrected things. But I I think, you know, in addition to being the oldest team in North American pro sports, 
Uh, you know, they are an average age of 30.8. Uh, I think sometimes they're old in spirit, too. I think sometimes they know the sun will rise tomorrow, even if they don't play well. And, and I think uh, that lack of of hunger, desperation, can be their biggest enemy. Question for you, and hopefully you can answer it in the sense of Yesipoli a very polarizing figure that uh, was here for many years, but now uh, in down on the farm with uh, Wilkesbury Scranton with the Penguins, not a bad start to you know a, a, a position where he's had the surgeries with the hips and he's got four goals, four assists uh, in eleven games. So, what could you tell us about Puliyarvi in the sense? Does he have a chance to maybe you know get a call up here in the second half? Well, he absolutely has a shot to get a call up very soon. Uh, I I made the drive uh, from Pittsburgh Hmm. there to Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, which is about five hours after I got home from the West Coast trip this week, or I guess last week, rather. Uh, I I must say I don't think he is moving well enough yet to be in the NHL. You know, I think the folks in Edmonton know full well the flaws in his game and and I saw those. He kind of played small, and he played a little bit disinterested on the perimeter and, and all of those sorts of things. But in these little spurts and bursts, he puts numbers on the scoreboard. So uh, I, I think the Penguins have come this far with him. Putting him in the AHL and, and the free agent uh, tryout deal they signed with him, both the NHL and then the AHL level, it wasn't charity. So I expect him to get a real shot uh the, the penguins could use specifically a third line right winger or even you know if they shuffle the lineup maybe a you know a right wing with Evgeny Malkin in there in the middle six so uh, i would expect him to get that shot uh february 6th ends their bye week and all-star break not long after that hmm. Great scouting report uh, from Dan Kingerski on Yesipoli-Yarvi playing down in uh, Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. Uh, off to a, a decent start. And is there, when you saw him, you know, got the eyeballs on him, Dan, again, what caught your eye was just the spurts. And we've we've seen that here for, you know, a lot of times where he had great spurts, but it was the, I guess, the consistency that I think drove people nuts around here. <laughs> I did not write a positive analysis mm-hmm. uh, of his game last week. It, you know, it, it certainly, uh, I, I, I didn't uh, put any sugar on it. I, he does have to, to bring a little bit more of a motor, bring a little more energy or, or want to, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term, to his game. I, I think to succeed at the NHL. You know, sometimes when guys are in the AHL, I, you know, I've talked to you know former players and some guys like they know they're at that level, and so they're not giving it a hundred percent on every shift. And, and and I could see the Penguins uh, kind of talking themselves into believing that with Yessie as as well that if they call him up and you know the adrenaline fueled first three to five games, uh, I, I could see that being the situation. Dan Kingerski, Pittsburgh Hockey Now, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. we got a text in for you, Dan, from Bruce in the Park. Please ask the Pittsburgh reporter if fans want Latang, Crosby, and Malkin to retire as Penguins or trade them to help with a rebuild. Also, uh, what 
does the reporter hope to see happen? That's from Bruce in the park. Uh, Bruce must uh, <laughs> check in with Pittsburgh hockey now occasionally because I've kind of taken fans to task a little bit lately. There's an odd thing happening here in Pittsburgh where it seems the good stuff makes people unhappy and the bad stuff makes people happy. Yeah. I, I, if, if this were put to a referendum and the people had to go to the ballot box to keep, uh, you know, at least Latang and Malkin, uh, I suspect it might be a slight majority that would say trade them. And obviously I think Sidney Crosby is a little bit exempt from that. I, I, you know, people might say, oh, trade him and, you know, let him go win a cup or something like that. But I, I think we all know Sidney Crosby will finish his career in in Pittsburgh. I, I don't necessarily know what will happen with uh, Latang and Malkin. I, I do wonder if age has caught Malkin this year. Despite his statistics, his game is starting to not meet uh, the eye test. Despite, what, what I like yeah. is... Go ahead. So go ahead. No, no, no. I was sorry. Go ahead. I was, I had, was going to change topics anyway, Dan. But just finish ah, okay. your thought process. Go ahead and finish your thought process on it. Yeah, I don't know that. Uh, I have a rooting interest. Uh, I, I always kind of root for the interesting stories. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if they want out, I'll cover that story, and if they want to stay, I'll cover that story too. <laughs> uh, an interesting story was Eric Carlson. How do you think his fit has been? in Pittsburgh this year with, uh, you know, everything else that's been going on and, you know, winning a Norse and, and coming in. And, you, again, you have Latang already there and everything else. What's your take there? Well, Carlson's arrival certainly has changed Chris Latang's game for the much better. Uh, Chris is playing perhaps some of his very best hockey mm-hmm. at 36 years old. He's playing responsible and smart and really with a little bit of a chip and an edge, uh, you know, he, he's looked really good. Eric Carlson, on the other hand, is still a, a square peg in a round hole with this Pittsburgh team. Uh, you know, their system is designed for the defenseman to get the puck forward, get it moving up to the, those star forwards, and let them do their thing. Well, obviously, Carlson's thing is to play with that puck. And, and so there's an, a real incongruence both at even strength with Eric Carlson because, uh, you know, if he's not dominating the puck, he has to play some pretty good defense, and he's, well, you know, that's not his game either. So there's a lot of uh, times when you're just watching the game, scratching your head, you know, with him in the defensive zone. So, so that yeah, that's been a real problem for the Penguins. Uh, and then the power play at 13.2% is – most nights has just been unwatchable, wow. uh, embarrassing, you know, at, at times. And that, that run that the Pens were on, you know, when they went over, like no one could put, no one could believe it, and no one can believe 13%. So I don't know. How do you explain it? Well, you ex- kind of explain it with, in, in terms of the five players they put on the ice, three Hall of Famers, including Carlson, uh, just a bad mix. Uh, you know, Carlson not carrying the puck up ice and pressuring the PK and pushing them back. Uh, Evgeny Malkin is having his struggles this season, you know, putting the puck in the net in all phases, really. And, and those two, just a terrible, you know, mismatch. Um, and everything else just kind of stemmed from that. No confidence, no energy, no juice. And, and they stayed to the outside. And it just became this, 
you know, I, I guess you put five great musicians together, but if they're playing five different types of music, you're going to get a terrible record, and that's what the Penguins' power play was. Dan Kingerski, Pittsburgh Hockey Now, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, just one last one for you, and we always keep an eye on Tristan Jari in these parts. Obviously helped the uh, Edmonton Oil Kings to a, a Memorial Cup, uh, I guess, for it's a decade ago. Boy, does time fly. Uh, how would you assess how Jari has played for the Oil Kings uh, and what he can offer? I guess, you know, he's under term for a number of years here, but uh, he's a mm-hmm. big piece, I would imagine, to keep uh, the build going on here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I, I think seeing uh, Tristan Jari kind of overcome the struggles of last season. He was, you know, he was subpar last year, but he had this back injury that they they kind of kept hidden, and there were rumors of hip injuries and all kinds of you know big rumors. He, he's uh, had a very good year. He's had some real stinkers, but he's also been really good in uh, a, a lot of games too. He's being pushed this year by uh, Alex Andelkovich, who's having himself a career resurgence. Uh, I think Alex actually has, you know, a bit better save percentage, like around 924, where Tristan is, uh, you know, floating around that 915, 917 mark for most uh, of the last month or, or so. So it's uh, Tristan has been really good. Uh, he, you know, he's, you, you guys know how he uh, or what he can do plays the position pretty athletically with a lot of anticipation, good with the stick. Uh, his glove is, is solid. It's not great. It's, it's not uh, terrible. And his rebound control has been uh, really good this year, and that's been a little bit of a bugaboo for him in past years too. Really appreciate your time uh, this morning, Dan. Uh, enjoy the All-Star break and, and, <laughs> and even uh, the skills competition on, on Friday. All right, take care. That's uh, Dan Kingerski, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Hockey Now, and our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. Am I reading this true? Justin Turner's signing with the Toronto Blue Jays. Isn't that a big deal? What do you think of that, Duke? I was uh, just kind of scrolling across that here as I was getting the uh, update ready for the top of the hour. I mean, hey, oh. Justin, uh, Justin Turner, maybe not the name... And many Blue Jays fans had circled on their uh, preferred free agent uh, card at the start of the offseason, but a body's a body, I guess, eh? Well, and, a, and a veteran one at that. You know, his, uh, his stats compared to Matt Chapman are, they're kind of sort of similar in a lot of categories. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, you know, everyone would say, yeah, he's getting a little long in the tooth, but Here's another thing with with Turner, and kind of being uh, you know I, I I I admit I'm more of a baseball guy even for diving into to guys than hockey. He's a, he's a locker room guy that they probably need in there, and he'll be able to help uh, a lot of uh, if there's any you know problems is the wrong word, but if there's some some if they need to find their way through some certain times a rough patch or anything. There's a guy that will definitely be able to help out. Did it in L.A. with the Dodgers and then in Boston. So, hey. I mean, hey, he's, he's a guy that's been there. Been there, done that. He has. I mean, he's 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 been a great player for a lot of years. Again, probably just getting a little long in the tooth, but probably still something left in the tank. So, looks like Justin Turner to the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, when we come back, we'll have a little open time to- uh, text time. Uh, get to some of your texts. One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about 
the All-Star game even more. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Woo! 744 in Edmonton. Uh, the 740 break means it's a BA selection from the Duke. Will there ever be a BA song that I am not familiar with, Duke? Like, will you be able to go into the depths of the BA playlist? Uh, that would require me going uh, what we like to call uh, over here cross cross monitors. I'd have to instead of playing them right from our you know inventory, our library here uh, at the Stingray Studios, I'd have to maybe play a deeper cut from say Spotify or something over on hmm. my other computer over here. Which it can be done for sure. So but, how come like these are just the ones in the breeze system or, or uh, what, like K ninety seven assumably and maybe some of them are probably in the breeze's library as well but I don't see Evans over there with Pete Panotsky playing a whole lot of BA well here well maybe not uh, maybe not during their time on air but so when we're sitting yeah. out in the, out of the bar here post show yeah. doing our post show work prepping for tomorrow whatever the case the it's a rotation of all the stations here in the building that play on the mm-hmm. speakers in the building. And obviously one of those is K97. And almost every day I hear at least one Brian Adams song from roughly noon do to you, two o'clock. Do you know what they call that, Duke? CanCon? Yes. Canadian content. Do, but do you think he... Because to be CanCon, there's requirements about um, like the song being recorded and written in like a Canadian, you know. I do, just do you think, think Brian Adams music actually qualifies? Oh yeah, the early stuff. Yes, probably, for of course sure. it does. They'll they'll finagle things. <laughs> they'll finesse it in there. Text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Adam goes. Justin Turner and the crowd goes mild. <laughs> so I'll tell you what. Uh, just to give Adam a little context here. So as we mentioned before the break, the Toronto Blue Jays have signed Justin Turner, third baseman, but most likely DHing a good portion of the time, I would say the bulk of the time. So last year, Justin Turner was in Boston with the Red Sox. If you take his stats, his batting average, and you compared them to the Blue Jays stats from this past year, he would have been second on the team in batting average. He would have been second on the team in home runs. Second on the team in home runs. Now, Here's the other stat. If you if you think that Justin Turner is a horrific, and a lot of people are saying this is a bad signing because he's a little bit too old. He's 38. He would have led the Blue Jays in runs batted in last year. Would have led the Blue Jays with runs batted in. He would have been second with runs scored. I think that those are some decent stats that... You know, when you're comparing, and I get it that he's 38, he's 38 years old, but some guys can just hit. Justin Turner can hit. They probably need another little piece here, but I I, I can't believe people are kind of saying, oh, this is a bad signing. Slugging percentage compared to last year on the Jays roster, second. So I think he would probably fit in nicely. We just we were talking about the stats comparable to Matt Chapman last year, and Matt Chapman got off to an incredible start for the Blue Jays, really good start, but then went into like a tailspin, like of no other. He went into a Matt Chapman kind of tailspin for the Blue Jays. Comparable stats head to head last year: Matt Chapman, Justin Turner, 
played the same amount of games, basically. Turner actually played six more. Turner had more plate appearances. Turner had 32 more hits. He had six more home runs. He had 42 more runs batted in than Chapman. Everything else kind of similar as when you're talking about uh, on base, slugging, things like that. Batting average, 36 points higher. So let me just, I mean, let's let's throw this back out to, to Adam. Adam, our texter. Hmm. Are you really that upset that the crowd goes mild about Justin Turner? This is a pretty darn good signing. And yeah, at that age, at 38, he's he's going to be doing more DHing than playing in the field. But look at you know what? Last year in Boston, he filled in at second base. He he's got enough raw and talent and ability to be a guy that can kind of go in and 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 mop up at second, or he can play first. Obviously, can play third. So here's another one. All right, here we go. Construction Craig. Another B-level move by Atkins. Turner will take a step back this year. Proved to be a bad signing. Kyle from Millwoods. Finally. Jays fans are idiots. I'm a Mets fan, and I think Turner will be incredible for the Jays. Uh, J-Rod asks about fielding percentage. All right, Donovan, get on it. Um, Again, fielding percentage really doesn't come into play here a lot in the sense that he would be DHing more as than playing in the field. So uh, I, I think I think this is a good signing. How many people were <laughs> turning their nose up at the Brandon Belt signing yeah. last uh, last spring? That turned um, out to be pretty good. Uh, Adam and I'm just just teasing with you, Adam. Uh, Adam goes, I said mild, not revolt, Kev. <laughs> it's a piece, but I'm not rushing out. For a jersey, yeah, it's a piece. I think they need another. They need something else. Uh, they need, yeah, they need another piece at third for sure. And they need, you know, when you look at their roster and their makeup, they're just as good as anyone in the division. They are, and uh, they have the ability to win the division. Doug Jones goes. Turner is exactly what the Blue Jays have been missing for years. Leadership alone will win them games, take them further in the playoffs. The fact that his offensive and stats last year were better than pretty much every player in the Blue Jays team should be enough for people to understand how good of a signing this is. Dylan goes, not a huge pro baseball fan, but this is a good signing for the Jays, plus I'm a Dodgers fan. Well, I can't I can't even agree with you, Dylan, now that you said you're a Dodgers fan. Just kidding. But... I think that the the Dodgers, if they don't win 115 games, people are going to go, boy. <laughs> what do you got, Donovan? You, you figured it out? Yeah. Okay, so his uh, his field fielding percentage, he played 41 games at first. Uh, he had a 989 fielding percentage at first, so good first baseman. Yeah. At second, he only played 10 games. He uh, had a perfect fielding percentage, uh, no errors, no nothing. Mm-hmm. At third, he played in seven. That was a little more uh, unstable. Okay. 842. Get it. But again, you're getting him for his bat here and getting him for the clubhouse. I, I, I just, I think this is a great signing. And I think it's, you're missing pieces uh, of the leadership. And this is, again, Doug Doug Jones text in again. Turner's exactly what the Blue Jays have been uh, missing. Now, 
J-Rod does say this. Um, Chapman probably saved the Blue Jays pitching staff oh, dozens of runs because he's probably the best, one of the best third basemen, fielding third basemen in uh, baseball. So they will miss that. There's no denying that. Uh, so who plays third base? Now, well, again, that's the piece that they're missing. They still need someone else to fill in there. There are rumors of other players that would be surfacing in Toronto. I don't know. I Who knows where some of these guys land? It's an, going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Uh, but I, I like this signing. I don't know. Duke, you're, uh, are you your pro Turner or not every reason that you went over Kevin I think is why it makes sense and and just as a couple of texts including this most recent one from Habman uh, they they obviously still need a full-time third baseman and um, it's funny because our friends at uh, Blue Jays Nation sent a tweet out yesterday saying uh, Matt Chapman days until spring training which, uh, you know, obviously makes it not very far away as we're a day later, we're down into the uh, mid-20s, days counting down. I think it's only 14 days till pitchers and catchers mm-hmm. report. So yep. like, it's uh, the offseason slips away from a team pretty quickly. And, of course, there's still lots of dominoes to fall uh, because of the way the market shaped up, uh, everything waiting for Otani to start with and then kind of everything we've seen thereafter. But I, wh- what do they do for third base? I don't know. Like, is, is there a chance they circle back and, and maybe take a, another look at Matt Chapman? Maybe. Um, yeah, to, and- to see if, if maybe the number he wanted isn't out there originally and now his price has fallen to something the Blue Jays can pallet a little bit I, more? I think that price has fallen. I think Matt Chapman was asking for way too much money. Almost certainly. So, I mean, almost every player does, right? Yeah, well, I guess so. But, I mean, you can figure it out with what you end up talking with uh, with your agent to GMs and things like that. I what, what Chapman was looking for way exceeds what I think that he's worth as a third baseman. So And uh, Craig and Ritter just sent this in, and it's a, a very good point and kind of le- uh, leans to uh, what I just talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of these big names that are still unsigned are all clients under the same agent. So they <laughs> are um, – it's kind of almost like he's working – probably working about 32 lines at once uh, to get the best price for each one of these guys and trying to leverage things against uh, even his own clients and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes down. But, yeah, Chapman, Snell, Ballinger, Montgomery. Uh, and like you said, uh, like Craig said, spring training just a few weeks away. And uh, Craig and Red Deer with the common denominator of Scott Boris being the agent of those Correct. players. Thanks for that text, Craig. Appreciate it. Uh, coming up, top of the hour, Mark Spector on the mark for Booster Juice. Uh, we will check in with Speck. Uh, that's coming up at 8 o'clock. Before that time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. You can watch the Super Bowl coming up here in 12 big days at First Round here in the mall that has it all or downtown on 104. You can win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.